Miss Pat, can you go ahead and pull up that part? Perfect. Um, it's crazy how Holy Spirit orchestrates things <laughs> because none of them had any idea that this was the title of my sermon today. Um, it's, it's crazy how Holy Spirit connects his people with one another to flow in the love of the Father, the, <laughs> to grow in the depths of the riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to grow in the knowledge of the, 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 the love that surpasses knowledge. And I felt myself so overwhelmed during worship. <sighs> you see, because when I was four years old, I, I experienced the love of Jesus at four years old, and I remember preaching the gospel to my little brother who was one. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was the love of Jesus that drew me even at a young age, but over time it got distorted, it got manipulated, and it got perverted, and I lost my way in the love of Christ. And instead of resting the love of Christ, I tried to rest in my own works through striving, trying to be good enough. <sighs> and in this season, it's just been rest. Resting in his finished work. <laughs> Abiding in his love, and I just felt a blanket of love over this church today because some of you are struggling. Some of you are going through seasons, hardships that don't make sense. <laughs> and it's times like that that Jesus just shows up in a special way sometimes. He's always with you. I need you to know he's always with you. But sometimes it's experiencing that love in a manifested way that just changes your life. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for this day. I don't want to stop the flow, but there are a, a couple of quick announcements I need to make today. Um, tomorrow at 5 p.m., we have a truck ministry project for Kenny and Elaine Anderson. Now, those of you who don't know what our truck ministry is, our truck ministry is a group we have here that goes out and we do lawn care for those who can't do it for themselves. And so tomorrow we'll be going to Kenny and Elaine Anderson's house at 5 p.m. If you would like to join us and take part, uh, you can meet up with C.E. Chavis and he'll get you everything you need to know with that. Um, tonight at 5 p.m. is the Women Ministries Life 101 class. They, they knocked that off tonight. It's at 5 p.m. It's all for uh, young women between the ages of 12 through 25. March 4th is our Men's Ministry Bonfire and Cookout. Men, if you plan to be there next Saturday, please check in with C.E. Chavis so he knows how many to expect. And then last but not least, on March 10th through the 12th, Jamie Englehart will be with us for an encounter weekend Friday through Sunday. And the reason it's called an encounter weekend is because we are expecting everyone to encounter the love of Jesus in new ways. Um, but will you stand with me one more time, just one more time? Because <laughs> I, I don't know, Jesus just does, just does stuff special sometimes. I think today's one of those days. And if you're willing, will you please raise your hands to heaven to receive as is the custom here at Crossroads. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day. I thank you that so many people have already encountered your love today. And your love transforms us. And Jesus, I just pray as we deal with this today, as we go deeper into this today, Lord Jesus, that we would encounter your love in new ways, in deeper ways. That Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus, that he bows his knee thanking God for them, but this is his prayer, that all the saints would grow to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. To have a revelation of the love of Christ that you can't even comprehend with your intellect. 
with your knowledge. It's so deep inside of your soul that it transforms you from the inside out. So Jesus, we just thank you for your love that transforms. And today, we just give you the honor and the glory. Prepare hearts and minds to receive. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. I want to start off by making, making a statement. And the statement is this. Fear changes us. Love transforms us. Let me say it like this. Fear may change our behaviors, but love transforms our souls. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. 1 John 4.18 says this. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And throughout the sermon today, I just want you to keep that statement in mind that fear may change our behaviors, but love transforms our souls. If you would turn with me to the book of John, the gospel of John, in the 14th chapter, verse 15, John chapter 14, verse 15. Just one verse, we're going to look at this a little bit, we're going to dive into it a little bit, and this I wouldn't even say this is really a sermon. This actually came directly from my own, my own individual time with Jesus this week because Jesus is trying to show me some stuff. I really need to know that he is enough, that his work really did finish it. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, I always heard that the ultimate sign of your love for someone is obedience to what they say. And I always thought this passage was Jesus saying, prove to me you love me by doing what I tell you to do. But once you get into the Greek, that's not exactly what that verse means. So let's do this, ready? For, for our own mind's sake, let's replace if with when. And let's read it like this. When you love me, you will keep my commands. In other words, when you know my love and you reciprocate my love, the natural outcome is for you to be as I am. And I want to say this because I've struggled with this my whole life because this verse is actually cause and effect. Jesus is saying, if you love me, this is what happens. Just as I love my wife and it's not a burden for me to do the things that I know she loves. So this is cause and effect, but this is something I need you to know. Jesus does not need you to prove to him that you love him. Jesus does not need you to prove to him that you love him. He's the one who knows our very souls. He's the one who sees our very hearts. If you love him, guess what? He knows you love him. He doesn't need you doing all the churchy activities or all the things in the world to prove to him that you love him. If you love him, he knows that you love him. Someone get a phone call. And th this is what he's saying. He's saying that living out his commands are an overflow of simply loving him. And I think oftentimes... Because Jesus did come as man, the incarnate Jesus Christ. We often think that Jesus is fickle as we are fickle. Because oftentimes we need people to prove their love for us or we don't trust them. You got to do a certain amount of task or walk a certain amount of ways and then we'll trust that you love us. But I'm telling you, Jesus is not fickle. Jesus does not question your love for him when you fall. Jesus is the one there picking you back up. Jesus does not need you to prove his 
love. And oftentimes we read striving into this passage that should be read from a posture of rest. And so in our American, American dream mentality, we read this passage as we have to do something to prove ourselves good enough. To show that we really are who we say we are. I've got to prove myself. And we read striving into a passage that was never meant to put a burden on you, but to take the burden off of you. By saying this was always about love. This was never about how much you could do for me. This was about the fact that I always loved you. Brian Simmons says this. Love unlocks mysteries. As we love Jesus, our hearts are unlocked to see more of his beauty and glory. When we stop defining ourselves by our failures, but rather as the one whom Jesus loves, then our heart begins to open to the breathtaking discovery of the wonder of Jesus Christ. And that quote could not be more true. And those of you who've been on this journey with me have only seen Jesus over the past year and a half. You can attest in my life that this is true for me. So he said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Well, what are his commands? This is so important. His commands are for us to love others the way he loves them. John 13, 34 through 35 says this, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not by how much you read your Bible, people will know you are my disciples. Not by how many religious activities you participate in, will people know you are my disciples. No, by the way you love people. They will know that you follow Jesus. In a broken, hurting world, it's not judgment and condemnation from the church that will change the world. It's the love of Jesus that changes the world. Man, we've got it so twisted sometimes. John 15, 12 through 13 says this. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. And you see, this love that he commands cannot be fabricated or forced. I need you to understand this. This love that Jesus calls us into cannot be fabricated or forced. Uh, Romans 12, 9a says this, let love be without hypocrisy. And there's something I've really got to say for those of us who grew up in, in this form of Christianity who strive all the time. You cannot strive into the commands of Jesus. What does that mean? You cannot do your own works into the works of Jesus that he calls you to do. Well, why? Because if we do that and we fabricate this type of love, well, I'll love them because I have to. How many of us have said that? Oh, man, I've said that so many times as a Christian. Oh, I'll love them because I have to. That is a, a hypocritical fake love, not produced by Jesus. It's not produced by him. It's produced by me. It's forced and it's fabricated. We can only truly love when we know he loves me. We make blanket statements like Jesus loves the world and oh, he loves the world so much that he came to die for it. But not only does he just love the world, he loves you. And until we come to that place where we are able to love ourselves because we know he loves us, not based upon performance or how much we strive, because you cannot even strive into the commands of Jesus, because you can only love like him when you love him. It is not possible to keep these commands that are all about love without first having a revelation of love. We use that word a lot in the church, and many people are probably thinking, what in the heck does revelation mean? Revelation means an unveiling. Something is revealed to you in deeper ways than you ever imagined it would be revealed to you. So when I say you need a revelation of the love of Jesus, I'm not going to give you an equation to get there. 
Because Jesus is not a computer system where you pop in some type of code to unlock him. He's a person. He's alive. He's living and he is well and he lives inside of me. So I'm not going to give you an equation. Why? Because he loves you. I don't have to ask him for you. I don't have to go to him for you. I'm not your priest. This is not Catholicism. It does not work this way. We are all the temples of the Holy Spirit. You have as much access to Jesus as I do. So when Pastor Josiah says, seek the revelation of the love of Jesus, I'm not telling you to strive and read your Bible or pray. I'm simply telling you to humble your heart before him and say, Jesus, I want to encounter your love like never before. Knowing you are loved can transform your entire life. Or let's say it like this, his love will transform your soul. Not only is it not possible to keep his commands by your own volition and power, Jesus never wants you to follow what he says out of fear. Of what you think he might do to you if you don't. I'm I'm going to say this again. Because a lot of us gave our hearts to Jesus out of fear of what we thought may happen to us if we didn't. But can I tell you, Jesus does not knock on the door and you don't answer because of what he may do to you. We only answer out of love. So Jesus never calls us to love others out of fear of what he's going to do to us if we don't love others. Do we see how that is a huge contradiction? Jesus does not command us to love people out of fear. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You cannot love someone that you are constantly in fear of. It's literally the opposite of his commands of love. He does not say you better love people or there will be a price to pay. That's not what he says. He says, loving me will cause you to love who I love and love what I love. Some of you are thinking this is elementary, but does this reflect in our lives? You see, when I was dating my wife and I was proposing to her, I didn't say, hey, if you don't marry me, there's going to be hell to pay. No, what I told her was, I said, if if you marry me, I will love you for the rest of my life. And she responded to my love and love. And guess what? We've been married for almost three years now. It wasn't fear. I did not try to scare her into loving me. I did not try to scare her into marrying me. That's not how this works. Why? Because a healthy and beautiful relationship never has fear as its foundation. And in the American church, I'm sorry to say, but a lot of times our foundation of faith is fear. What may happen to us if we don't have faith? But it's always love. Love is always the foundation of a healthy and beautiful relationship. I want to tell you a story. Some of you may have heard this story. I think it's one of the most beautiful stories in the world. I actually shared it with Miss Melody a couple months back. Um, It's the story of Brennan Manning. Brennan had a best friend named Ray, and Ray and Brennan did everything together. They literally did everything together. Um, This was back in, I believe it was the 50s, early 60s. And so they, they bought their first car together. They shared a car. They went to school together. They would go on double dates together. They did everything together. Well, one day they were drafted and to go to Korea in the Korean War. So they leave and they go to Korea. And they're sitting in a foxhole, Brennan and Ray. They got to be with one another. They allowed them to stay together. And they're having a conversation about the good old days. Good old conversation about the good old days. And they're just sitting there eating candy. Ray's eating a candy bar, and they're just conversating. And literally out of nowhere, a live grenade is lobbed into the foxhole. And without even thinking about it, Ray takes the candy bar, smiles at Brennan, and dives on the live grenade and gives his life for his friend. So for the next 20 so years, Brennan, he was a young man. He's struggling with with survivor's remorse. He's struggling with guilt of his friend giving his life. And he ends up finding Christ and he gives his life and he becomes a priest. And years later, he goes and he sits down with with Ray's mother. He's having a conversation and it's late at night and he asks Ray's mother this. He says, do you think that Ray loved me? Her response was this, Jesus Christ, 
what more could he have done? So you may say, Pastor Josiah, how do you know that Jesus loves me? My response to you is, what more could Jesus Christ have done? He gave his life for you. And when we're questioning and we're wondering and we're struggling, John 15, 13 says this, Jesus himself, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John three sixteen, by this we note love because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see, sacrificial love is the greatest transform, transformative power in the universe. True love is revealed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not die because God killed Jesus. Jesus did not die because God made people kill Jesus. Human violence killed Jesus because they did not know what to do with perfect love. Did you know before, before Christ was crucified, before Christ even lived, 400 years prior, Plato, the Greek philosopher, said this. If there was ever a perfect man, if there was ever a perfectly righteous man, he would be killed by the world because they would not know what to do with him. A Greek pagan philosopher speaks forth that this man would be crucified by the governing powers of the world. Because Jesus comes into a broken world full of human evil and full of human violence. And in that world, they cannot comprehend why he loves the way he loves and why he lives the way he lives. But Jesus came for each and every single one of us. And he did it for you. The Father did not kill Jesus. It was love that led Christ to the cross. The cross is the ultimate symbol of love. This is the beauty of Jesus. Jesus defeated human violence with sacrificial love. You see, because according to the perspective of the world, Jesus lost. If you die and your movement is stopped, you lose. But according to heaven's scoreboard, oh man, he won by a landslide. Because they did not know that it was by his death and resurrection that he would overcome the world. And in his death, he literally swallows death. He swallows sin. And out of that rebirth comes new life to humanity. And it's through this act of sacrificial love that transformed the world. The world was literally reborn by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because with Jesus, death died and sin died. And now what rose again was the new humanity which all of us exist in. We're in that. We exist in that. Jesus tasted death so that you never will. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Transformation. Let's go to John 15, 9 through 10. John 15, 9 through 10. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This passage is following the same structure as the first verse that we dealt with. So if it helps you replace if with when. And I actually want to deal with the end of the passage and work our way back. Jesus abides in the Father's love. Matthew 3.17 says this. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Before Jesus did anything, 
before Jesus faced 40 days and 40 nights of temptation from the devil, before Jesus performed his first miracle or preached his first sermon, the words of the Father to Jesus was, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And there's something to learn from this. The Father loved Jesus, and it was never based upon Jesus' performance. It was never based upon how much Jesus did. Jesus says, abide in my love the way I abide in the Father's love. What does this mean? Jesus rested in the fact that he was already loved. This is how Jesus could go to the cross, and it says he loved his very own to the last. Even knowing what he was going to face on the cross, it was in the place of rest that he was already loved. Whether he went to the cross or not, the Father loved him. He even says, Lord, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from my hand. But if not, your will be done. And it was in this place of rest that he knew no matter what happened, the Father loved him. And it was in this place of rest that he knew it wasn't based upon what he did, that the Father's love was not contingent upon his behavior. This word abide in the Greek is mino, and it means to remain and not depart. It is to remain as one, not to become another or different. And one thing I've really been diving into is the fact that this, when you try to abide in Christ by striving, you actually separate your works from his, and now you are another from him. So let me repent to you as a pastor. I often told you the way to abide in Christ was to read your Bible more, it was to study more. It was to do more activities because when you do these activities, you are one with Christ. I need to repent to you because that is not true. Abiding in Christ is resting in him. So to abide in Christ is to know what he did was enough, to know that his work truly is finished. I don't have to match my works up to his. I don't have to strive to be as good as he was or as perfect as he was. I'm already loved and only when you know that can you truly abide in his love. Because his love is not conditional as we often act. That when we fail and when we sin, we think he turns his face from us. But once again, he does not sit on a swivel chair. He sits on a throne. And his throne is always facing you. His face is always toward you. His love is always for you. We abide by resting, not by striving. And when you separate from his work, you become another. Now, does that mean he casts you aside? No, that means you're not going to walk in the peace and comfort and love that he died for. You're separating yourself from the promise of heaven living in you, not just getting to heaven one day, but now heaven residing inside of you. The peace and love and joy of heaven now within your mortal body through his very spirit. We are to rest in his finished work and abide in his love that transforms. And just as Jesus abides in the Father's love, as he is always connected to the Father through love, we are now to abide in his love. You do not strive into his love. Now, what do I mean? It's not about your behavior. It's not about how much you do. The love, the love of Christ is not over here somewhere, and I'm trying my best to get into it. I'm trying to be accepted and get that golden ticket to enter the kingdom of God. Well, guess what? You're in the kingdom of God whether you realize it or not. And now you exist in him and through him. And so the fact of the matter is you don't do things to get into the love of Christ. You rest in the fact that he already loves you. And it's out of that place of abiding that the good things do flow. You love your spouse better. You love your kids better. You love your coworkers better. You love whoever it is better. That person who hates you at work, who talks bad about you, you will find yourself blessing them instead of cursing them. 
Not hating your enemies, but loving your enemies. And it's out of this place of rest where the striving ceases that you find yourself transformed in Christ. Because just as he is, you will also be. We rest in what he does. Jesus makes a promise to us. When you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. And I want to say it like this. When you have a revelation of his love and you are flowing in his love towards others, you will find yourself in a constant rest, knowing that the work is finished, knowing you have nothing to prove, knowing you are loved, and out of this place of rest, we are transformed. 1 John 4, 7 says it this way. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So what is he saying? That when we find ourselves in a place of love, that Christ, the way Christ loves, we're transformed. And that's how we know we are of God. That the love of the Father who is love now flows in and through who we are. Fear may change our behaviors, but love transforms our souls. Will you please stand with me? See, Miss, Miss Melly, she, uh, she did what actually I want to do today. And instead of partaking of communion, man, I just want to, listen, I don't do this often. Y'all know I don't, I don't call people up often. This is not something that I do. But man, it's just, I, I feel as, as if it's for the one. As if there's only one person in this room today. that you know there's more to this thing than you're experiencing. And I promise you, that's his love. You know there's more to this. I found myself two years ago questioning, if this is all there is to Christianity, I don't want a part of it. There's got to be more to this. And so I found Jesus. <laughs> Let me say it this way. Jesus found me. He was never hiding. <laughs> my eyes were open. The lenses were taken away, and I saw only Jesus. I had my road to Damascus moment where I found myself looking like Saul a lot in my life, relying on my own righteousness, thinking that I was doing a service to God by judging Christians and blasting Christians, and I thought I was doing a service to him. Very critical, very judgmental. But in October of 2021, I saw Jesus. And it was literally like the scales were taken off my eyes. And a love was birthed in me that I had never seen before. And that love swells up in me for you guys. Because I don't want you to go another day without encountering that love daily, daily. I'm not praying for revival to break out. I'm praying that you live in revival every day of your life. That for the past year and a half, I've lived in a constant awakening every single day. You don't need a church service to fill his presence. He's always with you. And every day I wake up, I experience him in a new way. And it's been the most beautiful pilgrimage of my life of knowing that I'm truly a sojourner in this earth. Just as our faith was started by pilgrims, God called them out. Faith is still a journey. He calls us out of religion into relationship to see him, to know him. Not that all religion is bad, but it's deeper. So today, if you're that person, man, you're thinking, wow. Like, man, someone talks about Jesus like that, and that's not my current experience or encounter with him. Listen, I'm not a magic man. I don't have 
powers to make you feel anything, but I love you. And I'm going to pray for you if you're willing. I'm not even going to look up. I don't, I'm not trying to shame you or make you feel guilt. I just, I want you to live the abundant life that he came for. So if you're willing, I mean, golly, even if you just want deeper revelation of his love, just come forward. I mean, right now, just come forward. To grow and know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. And this is something to smile about, (laughs) to be excited about. Because Jesus loves you. And brothers and sisters, if you know these people intimately and you're comfortable, I want you to come pray for them too. It's not just me. I'm not the magic man. The same Jesus that lives in me lives in you. And if you're comfortable, I want you to come pray for your brothers and sisters. We're a family here. I truly believe that. 